Hey, this is Junior Ziegler. Thanks for listening to my podcast. I hope this time in God's Word encourages you. Hope it brings you closer to God. Hope it challenges your perspective. Glad you're joining. Enjoy the message. A while back, I uh, was about to come out here and, and preach, and as I was walking out here, I walked by one of our singers, uh, a girl who tends to not be overly emotional or, or dramatic, very even-keeled girl, but as I was walking out, I noticed she was crying, and I'm not very good when people cry. I don't know what to do. I can be awkward as is, but I felt like I couldn't walk past her and come out and preach. That just kind of seemed like this very hypocritical, so I said, uh, uh, you're crying. Uh, what, what, what can I do? Like, what should I do? Is there someone better around that can maybe handle this? You know, and and she said, Junior, I just I don't know how I'm going to do it. Hey, I got stuff at work that's spilling over into my personal life. I can't focus on anything else. Like Junior, I was just out there singing, and the whole time I'm singing, leading people in worship, I'm just thinking about this issue at work, and my classes start soon, and I'm in syllabus shock. I haven't even started school yet, and I'm in syllabus shock, and I don't know how much longer I can do this. And you know the feeling? Right, it's all a balance. Life is this tightrope walk. You have family and bills and, and budget. And when something unexpected comes up, it, it throws us off kilter. And we got to use every muscle and every ounce of focus to keep from, from dropping it all. Because if we don't get this right, we know the marriage could crash and the, the kids could suffer and bankruptcy is real and the job can be lost and family can be let down. And there are so many people to disappoint and so we're so focused on balancing and keeping it all intact and somewhat stable. And while we're working tirelessly to keep it all in the air, it seems like life is just kind of passing us by. And we wish that we could be in the moment more. We wish that we could enjoy the moment more. But that whole idea just seems so foreign. It seems so out of reach. And so we do it only thing we could think of doing. Let's keep walking the tightrope and hope that the next season, well, the next season will bring more balance. The, the next season will be calmer. The next season will be less busy. We find ourselves saying the next season, the next season, the next season, the next season. Well, the next season is here. And God cares very much about and wants to speak into how you're currently balancing life. And so having said that, I just want to challenge you right now. Let's, uh, let's eliminate all the distractions. Whatever might be eating away at your mind right now, because there are things that are vying for your attention right now, right? You have that work project coming up, and school is starting, and those bills and sports is starting, and that reoccurring marriage discussion, and the, that text thread that, that keeps on beeping and wanting you to join it. Let, let's do our best to just set all that aside, and let's be in this moment right here, okay? Because... This moment in God's word could be the key for you to finding more balance in life. And I don't want you to miss what God has for you because your mind is elsewhere trying to balance something else. And so let's, let's eliminate all distractions. Let's be in this moment. Can we commit to that? Let's be in this moment right here. Let's allow God to speak to us using his word because he wants to. He wants to speak to us. The question is, is are we listening? Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to be. Luke chapter 10 Verses 38 to 42, really encourage you to grab a Bible. We got Bibles in the chairs. If you came in here and you didn't bring one, you're not the only one. We got those Bibles in the chairs. Otherwise, phone, tablet, those work great as well. But Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to be today. Luke 
For those of you who've been coming to the bridge a while, you might get to this passage and you might say, hey, wait a second, we looked at this passage last year in our Conversation with Jesus series. Um, you're right, uh, our, our pastors are just kind of getting a little bit lazy on staff and we just thought we'd kind of redo it. Uh, no, it's the same passage. We did look at this passage last year. How dare we look at the same passage two years in a row. But um, different applications. We're going to kind of look at this just from a little bit of a, of a different angle. And so um, I'm, I am excited for this. But Luke chapter 10, let me, let me pray. Father, we thank you so much that we can come together as your church so we can take um, really a time out during the week to gather with brothers and sisters of the faith. And um, what, a, what a privilege that is. We thank you for that. We thank you that we can worship you, that you enjoy our worship. We thank you that you speak to us using your word. May we not take this time for granted. May we understand this is, these words are from our creator, the God of this universe speaking to us. And what an awesome thing that is, Father. And so may we take this time very seriously. May we enjoy this time in your word. Uh, may we be open to what you want to change in our lives. And we ask that you open up our hearts and engage our mind. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Luke chapter 10. We'll start in verse 38. Luke writes this. This is what we're going to do, by the way. We're going to look at this narrative, just kind of dive into this narrative. Um, you know, understand it a little bit better, and then we're going to come out of it and come up with some application, okay? So Luke chapter 10, verse 38, Luke writes this. He says, now as they, meaning Jesus and his disciples, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. Now let's set the scene so we know what's going on here. Jesus is in southern Israel, which is called Judea. So Jesus is in southern Israel. Jesus called northern Israel home. So this is where um, Nazareth is. That's, that's where he grew up. Um, Capernaum on the Sea of Galilee, that's where he called home throughout much of his ministry. Sea of Galilee is where Jesus walked on the water. If you come with me to Israel in February, we're going to hit all of this stuff. It'll be, a, it'll be a great time. But this is where Jesus mainly did most of his ministry. But periodically, he would take trips to Judea because Jerusalem is there. And so he'd take trips into Jerusalem to go teach in the temple, to heal, and to do ministry. So he'd take frequent trips to Judea. When he would come to Jerusalem, and we've talked about this in the past, but when he'd come to Jerusalem, Jesus was more of an introvert. And he wouldn't stay in the evenings. He would not stay overnight in the city. He would usually stay in the Mount of Olives because he's an outdoorsy kind of guy. Or he would stay in Bethany, which is this village right here in verse 38, which is Jesus entered a village. That's the village of Bethany. It's just a suburb right outside of Jerusalem, uh, you can walk there in five to ten minutes. And so this is the, this is the town that, that Jesus is in. So Jesus is traveling. He's on one of his frequent trips to Jerusalem. He's got his crew. He's got his 12 guys. They walk into Bethany, a little suburb. And Luke continues. It says, And a woman named Martha Stewart welcomed him into her house. Uh, here's what's going on. Um, I know, it's not really Martha Stewart. It's just a good way to remember this, actually. But here's what's going on. Jesus, as he's walking into Bethany, he's heading into his friend's home. Um, this is where Lazarus lived. So for those of you who know Lazarus, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus was good friends with Lazarus. And so Lazarus lived in Bethany. Um, that's this home. And so Jesus is just going into Lazarus' house to just hang with friends. Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha, who we're going to get to know better uh, in, this, in this narrative. But Jesus is here just to relax, to let his guard down, kick back, just chill. You have a place like that? Oh, maybe you go to. Just kind of kick back, relax. Like that place is designated. Like when I'm there, I'm not doing work. I'm not talking about work. I am sitting back and I'm going to read a book and I'm going to hang out and I'm going to chill. You have a place like that? Maybe it's like a cabin or a lake house or maybe like a campsite or, or some place like that. 
Um, for, for me, I just um, an hour north of here is a town called Marengo, Illinois. And about 10 minutes outside of town, my dad has a, a camper on, a, on the Kishwaukee River. I love going there. It's just my place to kick back and relax, float down the river, uh, make a fire, go fishing. Great little place for that. So I just love to kick back there. It's kind of my place. This is, this is kind of like that for Jesus, right? It's just his place to kick back. He's in Jerusalem, the Jerusalem area. Jerusalem's a bigger city. He's got a lot of critics in the city, um, a lot of work to do there. Jesus will be killed in that city. But, La- but Lazarus' house, just outside the city, that was a place that he could go to, let his guard down, and just be with friends. Then Martha probably realized this. Martha's got the best of intentions. She sees an opportunity. Jesus is coming into her home, and she's thinking, here's a great opportunity for me to serve Jesus. He can kick back. He can relax. I'll do the entertaining. I'll do the cooking. I'll do all the cleanup. What a wonderful gift that is, isn't it? When somebody has you over and does that for you, it's a wonderful gift. That's what Martha is doing for Jesus here. And so Martha welcomes them into her home. Verse 39. And she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So this is where disciples and students sat at the teacher's feet. It was this posture of humility to learn. Um, teachers would often not let, uh, would rarely ever let a woman sit at their feet and learn. But Jesus did. Even more than that, a student was always chosen by the teacher. And Jesus chose Mary to sit at his feet and learn from him. And what a huge honor. See, some have, and, and words kind of have, has come back before people say, you know, oh, Junior, the, the bridge doesn't believe in having, you know, women in ministry. And I just think people have wrongly maligned our position on that because that's not true at all. You can't read the Bible from beginning to end and not see women used in great ways and involved in different areas of ministry exercising leadership. Like, we're all for women being trained theologically and developed and to use their gifts and, and their leadership gifts to help bring people to Jesus. The bridge has many very key, strong women in key roles. Now, Jesus did not select women as apostles. And the New Testament church reserved the office of elder and pastor for men, and we follow that as a church. But that in no way denigrates, dishonors, or disrespects women and their God-given gifts. And here we see Mary being taught at the feet of Jesus. This is no small detail that Luke just kind of throws out to us. This is a big detail, because this would have been shocking if they were in public. If they would have been in Jerusalem, people would have been shocked. Oh, there is a woman sitting at the feet of this rabbi, learning, and, she, and, and she's being trained theologically to do ministry. There's a reason that Luke includes this little detail here, and I didn't want to skip over that. But are you, are you picturing the scene, though? You got this scene in your head? Jesus is relaxed, hanging out with friends. Martha is doing what most of us would be doing, right? Prepping the food and cleaning the dishes and setting the table and lighting the lamps and fluffing the pillows and stoking the fire. And she's probably freaking out internally, you know? I better not undercook the meal. Like, what if I give Jesus food poisoning? What if I kill Jesus with my cooking? Like, what happens to the universe then? Like, a lot is riding on this meal. And then you have Mary, polar opposite, sitting at Jesus' feet. So you have Mary and you have Martha. Sisters, very different. How many of you have a sibling who's very different from you? It's Mary and Martha. It's Mary and Martha. Martha's the to-do list checklist girl, right? She was the girl who after school, she would run home from school to do her homework so that she could get ahead, take on an extracurricular activity. Mary's more of this butterfly, you know, wherever the wind is blowing, she's kind of going, she's an in the moment type of girl. Two very different sisters. Uh, I have three daughters. I love seeing the differences in them. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Oldest is like her mom, very task-oriented. Cross the T's, dot the I's, get it done, get it done, do it right, follow the rules. Extrovert, you know, kind of be at the party, work the room, make a bunch of friends. Middle child's more like me. 
an introvert, kind of a loner, sometimes combative, doesn't want to do things the way everyone else is doing them, doesn't pay close attention to the rules, more of this recluse dreamer. She's a girl version of me, which is terrifying. And then my youngest is more like this caregiver. She's the only daughter of mine that wanted to play with little baby dolls. She'll be like that mom with a 15-passenger van one day with like 15 of my grandkids. I'm going to love it. It'll be awesome. But it's just funny. And I'm sure you have kids who there are very big differences among your kids as well. It's just funny how God puts families together, isn't it? Very different personalities colliding into a family unit. It's wonderful. Causes tension sometimes, though. In families and offices, on teams and churches, differences cause tension. So you have Mary and you have Martha. Very, very different. Again, Martha's the checklist girl. Get it done. Do it now. You know, maybe most some people over in the process because it's got to all get done. Then you have Mary, more of the bigger picture. Things can wait. Let's not freak out about it. Everything's groovy. Let's just, let's just stay zen. And all of us in here... All of us in here lean toward either being like Mary or being like Martha. Some of you are Martha. Some of you are Mary. Who are you? Before we continue, I just want you to think on this for a second. Who are you? I want you to pick a team. Team Mary or Team Martha. Who are you? Who are you? Some of you spouses are looking at your spouse going, you know who I am. (laughs) Mary or Martha. And I ask you this because figuring this out about yourself can actually help you bring more balance. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on. But who are you most like, Mary or you're more like Martha? For those of you like Mary, uh, Mary's more contemplative, right? If you're like her, you, you gravitate more toward the contemplative disciplines. You like praying and you like reading and fasting and journaling and learning. You, you Marys, sometimes struggle to get started. You str- sometimes struggle to take action. For those of you like Martha, you're active. You're, you're doing things. You're making things happen. You don't gravitate toward the contemplative disciplines, but the active ones. You're mobilizing. You're facilitating. You're directing. You're managing. You're coordinating and getting everything done. You sometimes struggle in how you talk to people because it's all about the checklist, and you forget, oh, wait, there's people involved as well. Are you Mary or are you Martha? Now, let me qualify this, because I had some people after the Saturday night service, they'd be like, I'm junior, I struggle to be a Martha. Like, well, that's not a struggle at all. Like, no team is better than the other. A good organization, a good church, a good company needs to have both Marys and Marthas. So on our church staff, we try to have a good mix of Marys and Marthas. We need Marys to make sure the right stuff is getting done in the right direction. Without Mary, an organization would be doing a bunch of stuff, but maybe not the right stuff. Super active, doing everything, but maybe not the right things. Without Martha, though, nothing would ever get done, right? Everyone would just be dreaming and reading and visualizing and talking about things. So both are needed. And let me say this, too, because I know how this can work, all right? People who are lazy and selfish can sometimes go, oh, I'm Mary. Uh, That's why I don't pitch in around the house, right? I'm the holy one of the house. Call me Mary. No, Mary's not playing Xbox eating Doritos while Martha washes the dishes. Mary's spending time with Jesus, the reason for the work, right? So Mary's not lazy. She's just focused on the why. Some people are neither Mary nor Martha. They're just unfocused and lazy. Singles, stay away from those people. They will give you a headache in the future. But who are you? Are you Mary or are you Martha? Those of you still thinking and can't figure out who you are, let me just tell you who you are, okay? You're Mary, right? You're, you're Mary because the Marthas in here, they know who they are, this is the longest they've been sitting all week. They're struggling not to add stuff to the to-do list right now. They, they've checked Google Calendar five times and responded to 15 texts since committing to eliminating distractions, all right? Martha's in here knew who they are. 
you're probably Mary. Mary or Martha. For fun, I just want you to write down, you'll see like a little name tag on your notes. Just write down who you tend to lean more toward. Mary or Martha. Mary or Martha. Who, who are you most like? I asked my wife this at dinner last night. I said, who did you write down, Mary or Martha? She goes, I wrote down Jesus because I'm most like Jesus. It doesn't work that way, honey. You've got to pick Mary or Martha. Mary or Martha. So two very different girls. Look what Martha says. I love this. She, she doesn't say this to her sister. She's kind of upset. She's bothered. She's doing all the work. Mary's not. And she doesn't say anything to her sister. She says it to Jesus. She's thinking, I'm just going to tell Jesus, and Jesus will tell her what to do. Look at this, verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. In fact, I'm going to pull it here on the screen. This is what she says. Lord, do you not care? It's not a good thing to say to God. <laughs> do you not care? And I'm sure Jesus is thinking something like, uh, no, I care. I'm headed to Jerusalem to die for your sins. I'm headed to Jerusalem to be tortured. I care about your standing before God. I care about you not being in hell for eternity. I care. Thanks for the muffins, though. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Pretty sure my six-year-old said this about my four-year-old this morning before we came to church. Tell her to help me pick up. Jesus said this, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. The word troubled here is the Greek word thorubazo, which, which can also translate as distracted. Anxious here can also translate as uh, stressed. And so really what he's saying is, Martha, Martha, you're stressed, you're distracted, you're doing all these tasks. But Martha, you might be missing the meaning behind these tasks. Martha, Martha, you're doing all this stuff out of your love for me? But Martha, are you enjoying me right now? You're stressed. Here's the thing. Sometimes I think Martha can get thrown under the bus by us. Because sometimes we can read this. If you've ever read this story, if you've ever like, studied this narrative, we can read this and we can kind of conclude, okay, well... Martha's a total unhinged spaz, so application for today, don't be an unhinged spaz like Martha. But I don't think Martha's an unhinged spaz. I just think she's unbalanced, like a lot of us. I mean, for, for real. Part of the reason Jesus is able to just kind of kick back and relax is because Martha's putting in some of the work. And Jesus knows that. In fact, it may have even been outside of Mar Martha's nature to even have Jesus over. Like some of you Marthas in here, if, if, uh, if I came to you after the service and I said, hey, uh, Jesus is in town, and uh, he's going to come over to your house for lunch. You would look at me and think, mm -mm, mm -mm, Jesus isn't coming over to my house. I haven't cleaned the bathroom. My Mary of a husband hasn't fixed the garbage disposal yet. My floors need some TLC. My fridge has fingerprints. Like, where, what are we going to feed him? Where's he going to sleep? I mean, I guess he could sleep in my bed, but then i got to wash the sheets beforehand. Like, it's probably a stretch for Martha to even have Jesus over because of what this all means, the checklist and all that. It's part of the reason that she's freaking out a bit. But So Jesus isn't scolding her here, saying, you know, shut up and sit down, Martha. My goodness, you're annoying. You just sit down like Mary. He doesn't do that. That's not Jesus. He's just more of an arm around the shoulder. Martha, Martha, it's going to be fine. You're too worked up right now. You're trying to do so much that you're missing out. I don't want you to miss out, Martha. You need to settle down. I need to look at the big picture. Well, what's the big picture? The big picture is, right now, Martha is in God's presence. And looking back 2,000 years later, I'm sure she's not reminiscing and thinking, I can't believe I burnt the bread that day. 
and the candle, wicks, the candle wax dripped on Jesus' placemat, and Lazarus left out his socks. I mean, she's not thinking about that right now. That doesn't matter. No, she's thinking, that's pretty cool that Jesus is my friend. It's pretty cool that Jesus is in my home. That's the bigger picture. But she lost it, and she missed a precious, precious moment because she was busy and imbalanced. And so this is a loving comment from Jesus, and this is what he does best, right? Hey, you, you're distracted, refocus, it's fine, you're fine, kids are fine, work is fine, it's gonna be fine, just calm down, you're all right. And sometimes, sometimes we need to do that for each other. Just calm down, it's gonna be okay. Take a deep breath, you're freaking out and you're missing the moment, and the moment is so precious, the moment needs you. He continues in verse 42. Jesus says, Martha, but one thing is necessary. Mary here at my feet has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. I love the wording that Jesus used here. And sometimes I feel like a broken record when I preach. But I just like the brilliance of Jesus, that the creativity of Jesus. It's just astounding. He's just genius. Look at the language that Jesus uses here. Good portion. Good portion. What does that mean? Is that like something like weird theology term or something like that? What does a good portion mean? Well, what has Martha been doing this whole time? She's been cooking, right? Measuring portions. She's probably thinking, okay, Lazarus will probably eat a chicken leg. Um, Mary's getting the gizzards because she ain't here. And, and I'm sure she's going to serve Jesus the good portion, right? Jesus is going to get the chicken breast. And maybe Lazarus dropped by the kitchen and was like, hey, how come Jesus gets the big piece of cake? Because he's God, Lazarus. You can raise people from the dead. You might need that one day. So she's been measuring. She's been measuring portions, cooking, getting the meal ready. And classic Jesus speaks to her language right there. He says, Martha, 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 I know you're, you're trying to give me the good portion of the food and, and make sure it's cooked well and served beautifully. You're so sweet. But I'm trying to give you the good portion. Time with God. You want to serve me, and that's great. I appreciate it. I'm relaxed, but you're missing the better portion that I'm currently offering you in this moment because you're distracted. Mary here has chosen the good portion. I'm not going to take that away from her. So brilliant, isn't it? So creative, so wise. So Jesus. So Jesus. Well, this text right here, believe it or not, gives us great insight into gaining balance and being more in the moment. So grab those notes. Let's get to work. To balance life, number one, to balance life, choose balance over busy. To balance life, number one, choose balance over busy. This might seem like a ridiculous point as you're writing this. I, I know. You're probably thinking like, come on, Junior, that's what I'm trying to do. That's why I'm sitting here. That's why I came here this weekend. I want more balance. I want less busy. This gives me nothing. This doesn't tell me how to get there. Here's the thing, though. Balance is not a destination, and it's not a season. Now, we like to think like it is. We like to talk like it is. You know, like, I just got to get there. I, 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 I got to find balance somewhere. Like, it's out there. I just got to find it. Like, next season, I'll find it. Next season, will be less busy. Next season, will be more balanced. But first and foremost, as we go into the series, as we go into this topic, we got to get this straight right off the bat. Balance is a choice. Busyness is a choice. And Jesus points that out in this text. Jesus tells Martha, he says, hey, your sister has what? Has chosen the better portion, the good portion. She's chosen this. It's balance. Jesus says, I'm not going to take that away from her. 
So this series, Tightrope, this series isn't some like roadmap to Balance Town because there's no such destination. That's not how it works. Balance isn't a destination. It's not a season. It's a choice. It's a way of life. So let me, let, me, uh, let me issue a fun challenge here. I want to see if, and I'm going to challenge myself for this too. Okay. We need to get into the habit of starting to reject society's addiction to busyness because our society is addicted to busyness. How many of our conversations have to include how busy we are? Hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm super busy, super busy, 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 been a busy, some busy, busy week. Even if we're not busy, that's what we say, right? Busy, 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 because we don't know what else to say. And then we ask each other, we'll say, how you doing? I bet you're super busy like me. I'm super busy, are you super busy? I bet you're super busy. And I've just started to say, no. No, I'm not busy. Partly because I like to see the look on people's faces because they'll look at me like I just committed some big gross sin. Like, how are you not, bu- how are you not busy? I don't even know what to talk about now. But I say, no, I'm not busy. I'm not going to speak that over my life and make that my go-to excuse and topic of conversation. I'm not busy. I'm right here with you. I'm right here with you right now. Next moment, I'm going to be in another moment with somebody else. I'm going to be there too. I'm not busy. Do I have responsibility that I'm carrying? Yeah. And do I have a lot on my plate? Sure. But I'm not busy. I'm right here right now because busyness is a choice. And there's no reason to join the hurry and flurry whirlwind that our society promotes because that's when we lose the meaning of why we do what we do. Meaning is in the moments. And when we just throw out busy out there, we just miss it. I was talking to a businessman after our Saturday night service and he came up to me and he said, he said, I just went to a conference and they had this big name speaker come in to all these like top executives and her whole speech was about stop using the word busy because that shuts down business, that shuts down networks because it's just a negative thing that we threw out there. Stop using the word busy. You will find more balance in life when you realize this is a choice. It's all a choice. Balance is a choice. Busyness is a choice. Choose balance over busy. Number two. Number two, choose the important over the immediate. So choose balance. Choose the important over the immediate. Martha allowed the immediate to take her away from the important. So in this, in this narrative, I, I like to picture Martha in the dining room And as she's standing in the dining room, to her right, she sees an unfinished dinner. And to her left, she sees Jesus. And in that moment, Martha knew what was more important. Jesus was more important. She loves Jesus. She's a good person. She wants to serve Jesus. But it's the immediate that was getting her attention. And you and I make that decision constantly. We are constantly, constantly, constantly deciding between investing our time and energy into the immediate, the, immer- the urgent situation, the unleft dinner, or focusing on the important. And too many of us live our lives like an ER. ERs have to juggle the immediate, right? It's in their name, emergency. So it's emergency to emergency. But that's many of our weeks, it's many of our months, it's many of our years, it's been many of our summers. We live our lives like that. Immediate to immediate, emergency to emergency. We triage our lives and then we get overwhelmed. And we end up focusing on all the pressing issues that are demanding our attention because the immediate needs me right now. And some of us kind of like feeling needed. But then too many of us at night, when our head hits the pillow and we look back on the day, we're frustrated because we're like, man, I, bet I was busy all day, but I got nothing done. I didn't get what I wanted to get done. This is how stress builds. 
This is how you become someone you don't like because it's the immediate, not the important. It's the immediate that's defining your life, not the important. See, I feel this. I'm preaching to myself at this point. This is a constant struggle for me, at work and at home, especially at home, though. I'll always remember this one story, and I hate that I have this memory, but I'm always going to remember it. Um, so typically, typically, I'm a Mary. That's just kind of who I tend to uh, lean toward. But Monday mornings, I'm a Martha. Monday mornings, I am definitely a Martha because Mondays, my wife works. And so I wake up with the girls, and um, I got to like get them dressed and feed them breakfast and clean up, and I want to leave the house clean. And then it's even more difficult to like drop the girls off at school without them looking like cavewomen, like doing their hair and stuff. I'm still trying to get the hang of it. And so you can pray for me on Monday mornings. But so Monday mornings, I have a checklist of everything that I have to get done before we leave the house. Well, this one morning, um, my oldest daughter, so it was like a year ago, and uh, my youngest was a baby. Um, she was sleeping, and your parents probably know this or remember this, like, you want the baby to sleep longer in the morning because then you can get everything done before the baby wakes up. So it was one of those moments. And um, so one morning, my oldest daughter, she grabbed something off the buffet table during breakfast, knocked my phone off the buffet table, hit the floor loudly, cracked my phone. On top of that, even worse, it woke up the baby. So now I'm not happy, and I sternly lecture Madison about paying attention, you know, being careful. You, know, you woke up your sister. I needed to get this stuff done. You're making it hard for me. You know better. Now go sit at the table, eat your breakfast. I don't want to hear a sound. Now I got to go wake up. Now I got to get your sister who you just woke up. Unbelievable, Madison. Her face gets long. She kind of hangs her head. She goes, sits down. I grab Reese and I plop her on my lap and I'm trying to scarf down breakfast before all the cleanup. And, and I look at Madison and she's just staring at her food that I made. I'm like, come on, Madison, we've got to go. Let's go. You got to eat, right? We're not going to waste food. We got to get out the door. Let's go. She just kind of stares at her food, fighting back a tear. And I realized I was too hard on her. She's four. This stuff happens when you're four. So I, I, I went over to her, I knelt down on the floor, I got, you know, eye level with her, and I said, Maddie, Daddy was totally wrong, and I'm so sorry, and I shouldn't have talked to you like that, and nobody should ever talk to you like that, especially your daddy, and I love you, and I hope that you can forgive me. And at that, she just burst into tears, like, I forgive you, Daddy, I love you too, Daddy, I'm sorry I knocked your phone off the table, I'm sorry I woke up, Reese, I'm sorry I made your morning bad. I was like, man, I felt like such a loser, <laughs> because I was a loser. Why? Because it's focused on this, not this. Focus on everything that had to get done. And I forgot that the most important is I have these little hearts that are entrusted to me and shepherding their heart and loving them. Why was I doing all this stuff in the first place? To love them, to serve them, to set them up for a good day? But I was way too focused on the immediate, not the important. And too many of us are living our lives like that at home and too many of us are living our lives at, like that at work, and we're just so focused on the checklist and the immediate and getting it all done that we forget there's people out there. Hearts, people that God has put around us so that we can bless them and love them. We're gonna talk about this a lot more in detail as we move on throughout this series, but I just wanna throw this out to you right now just to think about, and that is what is important to you? What's really important to you? 
You know, because you, you, you're looking at a big fall ahead of you. Some of you are looking at a big fall with you got to serve and you got kids in this and kids in that and you got school and you got this issue going on at work. But what's really important to you? What's really, really important to you? Chances are it's not getting enough of your focus because the immediate is stealing it. Choose the important over the immediate. Then number three, number three. Put God at the center. So choose balance, choose the important. Number three, put God at the center. And I know this seems like such a pastoral thing to say, right? Put God at the center. Like, okay, what does that even mean, right? Sounds holy, sounds like a nice tweet, but does it mean anything? Well, think about it this way, and, I, and this could really change how many of us view life in general. I think this could be a game changer for so many of us in this room. But think about it this way. If I, if I had us all right now write down our priorities, I said, all right, write down your Five priorities, your top five priorities. We would all write our priorities down as a list, wouldn't we? It would look a lot, like, a lot like this. We'd write down, okay, well, God's top of the list. Even if he's not, like we're in church, so we've got to write that down. So God's top. Number two, we're going to write family. Again, even if family isn't, we're going to write it down. Like Family and God could be getting garbage time, but that's what we're going to write down with our priorities. Then number three, we'll write, you know, Work. We'd write truck if it was a country song, but we're going to write work down for, for number three. And so we got God, family, work, and then maybe number four would be like friends or a hobby or something like that. This is how we view life, right? We, we view life a lot like a list. We view it as a list. The problem is, this is not how life works. Like those of us with jobs, we spend more time at work than we do with God. We have to, otherwise we'd lose our job. We spend more time at work than we do in the week than we do with family as far as waking hours. So this doesn't really necessarily work that way. It, it reminds me of a, I had a, I knew of a guy who, his wife, they were newlyweds, go figure, but they, uh, the wife kept telling him, no, stay home with me. Don't go to work. Stay home with me. And he thought, oh, oh okay, well, my marriage should be like before my job. So he stayed home. He got fired. What an idiot. <laughs> Life's not a list. It doesn't work this way. Now, on paper, it looks okay, and maybe it even looks cute on paper and all that, but not in life. On top of that, sometimes different priorities move around depending on the circumstances, right? Don't they? Those of you who have a family member going through a health issue, family will be elevated to the top of the list. If you're going through a work crisis at work, I mean, you're just working for your job, uh, work is going to get elevated to top priority. Like, our list fluctuates and changes. Life is not a list. And the Martha's in here, you're struggling with that because everything needs to be a list. But life's, life's, not, life's not a list. Life throws curveballs. The tightrope changes. Different seasons make us change and adapt. Life is not a list. Life is more like a wheel. We'll call it the wheel of life, right? We, we all have our own wheel. Life's a wheel, and the spokes of the wheel are our priorities. So my wheel looks different than your wheel because I had different responsibilities than you do. And your wheel looks different than the person next to you, their wheel, because you guys have different priorities. And as life, the road of life goes, so the wheel of life turns. So in one season, the kids may get top priority. You know, they're in sports. And, you know, and maybe you're one of those parents who coaches sports, which is awesome. I'm so glad you do that. And so you have to take some more time out of your schedule to focus in on your kids being in sports. Or maybe your kid is going through like a difficult season, and so you need to grow closer to them. Or you need to kind of encourage them um, through a difficult, rough patch. And so kids will take 
top priority. They'll take top focus for a while. But then some of you might remember, oh yeah, I got my marriage. And too often marriage can take backseat to the kids. It actually hurts the kids in the long run. We'll talk about that more in the series. But you'll make marriage a priority, right? You'll go, you'll get away together, just the two of you, or you'll go through a marriage book together, or you'll establish a date night. You'll just kind of take some more time to invest into your marriage. Maybe you're not married. Maybe it's dating for you. Maybe you're juggling school. Finals come, and, and so you got to take more time and invest it into that uh, time. Um, maybe you go into the next season. Maybe your job is more demanding. Work just kind of Work becomes top priority for that busy season. And so as, the wheel, so as the road of life goes, so the wheel of life turns. And our priorities, they ebb and flow and they change. A new season will bring a new focus on a different priority. This is more how life works, doesn't it? And the best way to bring balance to life's wheel is to put God at the center of the spokes. So that each of your priorities are founded on a desire to honor God. God is foundational for my work. When I go to work... Mainly, I want to honor God with my work, and I want to honor God with my family. We're a family on a mission. I want to honor God in my dating life. I want to honor God with my schoolwork. See, this is necessary because priorities will not compete when God is at the center. Priorities will not compete when God is at the center. And maybe that sounds way too good to be true, but, but it is. When honoring God is at the center of it all, your priorities will not conflict. So for example, um, for me, just thinking about this for, for me, um, one of my goals is to aim God or aim at honoring God with my work. Now, um, I'm not perfect in that. I'm growing in that, but I want to honor God while I'm at work. And so I go to work and I try to be a good worker and produce good quality and I try to be a blessing to those that are around, around me. I want to be a good worker. But at some point, in the, and so I'm honoring God throughout my day, but at some point in the day, I honor God more by closing my computer, walking home, and playing on the floor with my kids and serving my wife. You see how that works? So if honoring God is, is my main goal, at some point, I'm going to honor God more by switching to a different priority. If honoring God is most important, and I'm choosing the important, if the most important God is at the center, there's going to be balance because there will be a foundation for all my priorities. There will be one clear direction for my priorities. They will not compete. They will not conflict. Now, this is an overarching principle. Next week, we're going to go, it was like, we're, I know, we're still at like 40,000 feet. Next week, we're going to come a little bit closer, and we're going to get more specific, and we're going to talk about how does this actually work in the nitty-gritty? How does this actually work with family? How does this actually work with uh, careers? Because some of you might be thinking, uh, Junior, I'm not going to honor God by closing my computer. I'll just get fired because my boss is always demanding me overtime and all that. I mean, how does this actually work with careers? How does this actually work with family? How does this actually work with um, rest? Because God wants us to rest. How does this actually work? We're going to get into all of that. But this right here, this is so, so foundational, and this can be applied through all aspects of life. Let me finish with this, though. Um, I, don't, I don't want to miss this. I know some of you have already closed your Bibles, and you're, like, ready to go attack the world like a bunch of Marthas. That's okay. I, I know you closed your Bibles. That's okay, but I just want to point out one more thing in the text um, here. When I look at this text, I think in Martha's frenzy and, and, and flurry and, and busyness, when I look at this story, I just see Jesus missing her. Don't you see it too? Like he, he wanted her to just sit down with him, be friends, talk, connect. Like I think Jesus appreciated her hospitality. I think Jesus appreciated her cooking. I think Jesus was grateful for her work. But at the end of the day, 
Jesus didn't need Martha's work. I mean, come on, Jesus fed 5,000 people with a Lunchable. He didn't need Martha's frenzy in the kitchen. Jesus wanted her, he loved her, he invited her to spend some time with him. And I think that Jesus, Jesus missed Martha in her frenzy. And perhaps he misses you in yours. Perhaps Jesus wants you to take your focus off the to-do list, away from the emails and the notifications, away from the immediate, and he wants you to focus more time with him to sit at his feet, the important. And just like Jesus invites Martha to refocus her vision, Martha, Martha, Martha. He might be saying your name, the same thing to you. In the midst of the syllabus shock with all the false schedules, you know, you're thinking, man, I got sports and Awana and youth group and school and volunteering and, and it's making us tense and it's about to turn us all into Martha's this fall. We're about to burst. Yet in the midst of all of that, Jesus is saying, come on, settle down. Let's talk first. Let's pray. Let's worship. Let's laugh. Let's have some fun. Let's be friends. Let's catch up. Then we can go attack your checklist. But you're not going to gain more balance by freaking out. So center yourself on me. It'll get done. And even if it all doesn't get done, does it, is it all really that important? Is it all really that important? Choose balance. Choose the important. And put God at the center of each of your priorities. Now, yeah, you're going to have to say no to some stuff this fall. We're going to talk about that. And yeah, you're going to have to game plan your calendar. We'll, we'll talk about that. And yeah, you're going to have to put down your phone. You're going to have to clarify your values. You're going to have to make uh, goals and be intentional with time. And yeah, you're going to have to manage your rest and, and manage your energy. You're going to have to learn how to do that. And we'll talk about all that. We'll get into that in the coming weeks. But more than anything, don't miss this. More than anything, put God at the center. Plan on this fall honoring him in all of those priorities. That's the important. And if you can do that, you will find balance because the one who designed life knows how to balance it. Hey, thanks again for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe. Better yet, hit that share button. Maybe screenshot it, share it with your friends. Thanks again for joining in. And until next time, God bless.